0: Listening to Vet
1: Candy. Hi, this is Dr. Jessica Turner, and you are listening to Living Well with Dr. Jessica, your one stop for all things wellness, not just what to eat or how to move, but everything in between. And today I have an extra special guest, and I say that because she's made such an impact in, in the space of pet ownership, and you'll, you'll quickly see why, but she is moving into making an impact in the veterinary profession, and I just can't wait to share how um, she's doing that. And so today, I'd love to welcome on Betsy Banksall. She is the co-founder of Pet Finder, one of the busiest websites on the internet with a vision to change the way the public views shelter pets. Betsy harnessed the infant technology of the internet in 1996 and molded it into one of the most successful e-businesses to date. I think it's safe to say everybody knows what I'm talking about when I say PetFinder. PetFinder was acquired by Discovery Communications and then Nestle Purina, Betsy remains on the board of Pet Finder Foundation. And it was those lessons from 40 years of fostering pets and over 20 years at PetFinder Finder that has led Betsy to shift her mission to keeping pets and their families together. Aggressive efforts to ensure that pet families have community-based resources to stick together through thick and thin have resulted in the creation of not just one, <laughs> but several organizations that are really shaking things up. These include 911 Foster Pets. Heal House Call Veterinarian, a franchise that encourages veterinarians to start their own practices, especially in vulnerable areas, and Petsopia, a 501c3 that focuses on people and their connections to animals in the natural world. Betsy shares her home in North Carolina with her foster daughter, four dogs, two of which may or may not be foster dogs, which you already said they're not foster dogs anymore. (laughs) Sydney the Box Turtle, a born cat, her beloved flock of chickens, and the rescue form animals of Petopia. So welcome, Betsy. It is a pleasure to have you on. We have been chatting for a while, and I just can't wait, you know, for our listeners to be able to be a part of this conversation. So just jump right in, share your story, let us know what has led you to doing, you know, all of these incredible things in the space
2: that you were in. Well, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Jessica. And thank you, Vet Candy, for inviting me to join you here. Uh, this is really cool. It's always fun to spend the morning with like-minded people. And we've been, it's true, we've been cutting it up and talking for a while when we were supposed to start our podcast an hour ago, but we've been, been—we've uh, been, I think, uh, creating the perfect lifetime television series about a veterinarian who finds her dreams. <laughs> so we'll get back to that later and i'm sure lifetime is going to send us letters any moment thanking us for our, for our support. thanks you know, like the, the the work we did with petfinder was overwhelmingly positive we i think that over 35 million animals have you know lived in homes we did math sometime and found that maybe one in every six or seven homes has a petfinder pet in it in the us which is so super cool But it's a little addictive, right? Like when you get used to being able to be a part of people's lives and people's families to that degree and that intimate degree, then when you're not doing that anymore, there's a little bit of a void, right? Like I want to be able to make things better. And I think every moment that we spend living and breathing on this earth, if we're not trying to make it better, then, you know, maybe somebody else should, you know, Have access to that oxygen. I don't know. (laughs) Like like we like, you know. Like you know, it seems like that's the only point uh, that you know that to being here. And and obviously, sometimes you need to take a take a break, and uh, that's too much pressure. I mean, we know we're not supposed to do that right now, right? Because of wellness, we're not supposed to put that much pressure on people. You don't always have to be making things better. I try to tell my daughter that, um, you know, like just you don't have to be making yourself better or other things better all the time. Sometimes you can just be.
1: You're automatically making me think of the song from Encanto. I don't. I'm not about to like try to sing any of it. But it's it's almost sad that everything is linked to a song on that movie now. But it was shared within one of our veterinary groups because one of them was like, "I feel like they wrote this song about me." But that's essentially what it's about. It's just the pressure that's been placed on them and feel like they're carrying, you know, the load for everyone around them. So that's what's going on in my mind now that you said that.
2: Lessons with PetFinder were um, many, but one of the things that's very, very clear is that there are a lot of pressures around and there are a lot of terrible stories and there's no shortage of them. Um, but the the singular thing that makes people be able to manage that kind of trauma, I think, is jumping in and helping and and. You know, over and over and over, we hear that the people who are actively engaged in making things better in whatever situation it is that they're concerned about fare better than the people who just wring their hands beside beside the road worrying about it. Uh, my best friend says often that there's nothing better for stress and depression and all those things than shoveling gravel. So and I think that his best friend is the one who says that, and it's uh, you know it's kind of true. Like if you work hard enough. Like, you know, like real work, not like thinking work. The work we do is kind of dangerous because we sit at a computer and we think and we get inside ourselves, right? But, but you know, like to get out there and actually put your hands on the problem and fix it, like, you know, working in a care desert, we're going to talk about working in veterinary care deserts, you know, and how rewarding that is for our veterinarians. They go in saying, I've never been so tired. And yet after, you know, doing a vaccine clinic where they delivered 5,000 vaccines in 13 hours, which just happened in South Texas, they, they say, and... Yes, I've never been so tired, but I've also never been so happy. We do have the tools to deal with the stressors that we have created. You know, people are really good at coping. We just need to remind ourselves of what that toolkit is, I think. We'll
0: be right back with more Vet Candy. Find out why your dog pees on your shoes and chews your stuff up? Get our new book, Pet Candy's Guide to Dog Behavior. This fun and informative book written by our veterinary experts gives you the knowledge you need to understand your dog's behavior and to know when and how to get professional help. Check it out. It's available for free on Kindle Unlimited, Apple Books, and even on MyPetCandy.com and brought to you by Reconcile, chewable tablets for dogs. You're very right
1: with that connection between getting your hands dirty and taking action and seeing a, a result. You know, being able to see something change because of your efforts being a part of that—it's it's powerful. And I know before we were talking about how some of some of the things we struggle with within the veterinary profession are when we're unable to have that follow through of giving the care that we
2: know we we need to and we want to and that, that that's exactly right i think that we talk a lot about corporate medicine and the evil corporate medicine but you know really there's not i know the major players at many of these big corporations and they're lovely lovely humans and they were started by you know individuals who are truly committed to animals and have philosophies that are very pro animal and pro veterinarian the problem is is that we we want to do so much, and we want to put ourselves in a position where we are where we are, you know, we feel like a cog, right, in a giant wheel. But we don't have the tools available to do the things that we're asked to do, or we're exposed to things that are are not our job, and we are we are supposed to keep our blinders on and just do this job. But we know there's all this stuff happening over here that we could help. And when there's a shortage of staff, a shortage of resources, everybody runs scared, right? There's no good creative, you know, work that. It, to me, it feels like that comes out of our primal brain, right? And I think that we've got an industry right now of veterinarians who are, who are so many of them working from this place of intense stress and being overworked, and you know, trying to make good decisions with your primal brain. Well, it's just not designed. You know, the amygdala is just not designed for good decisions. The front part of your brain, that's that's good at making decisions with clarity, right? But the amygdala and the the, the hind brain, that's not that's not its job. Its job is to think you're going to kill me. Or you're going to feed me, <laughs> you know? And, and uh, that's kind of black and white. And when we operate with that brain, because we're stressed and we're overworked and we're tired and we, like, we don't have the competence to do the thing we've been asked to do, you know, all of those things that um, put you into that stress brain, right? Like no wonder we, pet parents, you know, feel like we don't understand what medical care we just received when we've taken our pet to the vet. You know, how could that person that's operating... From a place of stress, deliver the information to me, a pet parent, in a way that's going to be most effective when she's that stressed. I, you know, I, we, we're just asking too much of people. And that's kind of one of the reasons we started Heal House Call Veterinarian after Pet Finder. I got really freaked out. I had an old hound dog, Jim, who was I found in Costa Rica. And I thought naively that you know, he wanted to be my best friend. (laughs) As I think of all wild, feral and tame animals, like like I have to suppress that every time I see a chipmunk, I'm like, oh, you know, (laughs) here I am, your best friend. But I, you know, I, I saw this dog and he was suffering and he had a big hemangiosarcoma hanging off of his belly and he clearly needed help. And so I, you know, we trapped him and we brought him back to the U.S. And I thought I would just, give him a place to die peaceably and then four years later he was a hound dog i'd never met a i'd never met a hound dog before but they're very very stubborn creatures and he wasn't ready to go even though he had about 120 different medical ailments that gave him death sentences over and over and he kind of by the end by the fourth year he seemed to kind of like me but i wasn't sure leading up to that (laughs) But we were stuck together. But when I was trying to figure out what was wrong with Jim, it turns out he had atypical Cushing. So it was, you know, it was very confusing to everyone. You know, my vets would, who are dear friends, would get teary-eyed in appointments because they're like, Betsy, I just, I want to, I want to figure this out with you, but I just don't have time. They had, they had four other patients stacked up in rooms and I was frustrated. Jim was getting evidence-based medicine, data-based medicine, and the best of the best you know the best that money can afford but that's not what jim needed because he had weird things he was from costa rica he was a street dog and he needed individualized medicine <laughs> And so you know i'm a pet parent i was frustrated because the vets didn't have time to work through stuff and i was trying to learn about you know how could a dog have cushings but not have cushings and going to school and feeling like i needed to go back to vet school to figure out what was going on with jim and he was not getting the care he needed and then my vets were crying they clearly weren't getting the vets you know the, the care they needed and I had a house call that most of the things in life, at least in my life happened because of some you know, like weird thing. Right. Like, the, like none of this seems purposeful. I was getting married and I was determined not to euthanize Jim, the hound dog, the week I got married. That didn't seem like after four years of us sticking it together. And like, I think maybe the last, maybe three or four months before he like, did a little like happy hop and kissed me when he saw me like for the first time. (laughs) So, so, you know, that just resolved my, like, I was like, (laughs) I was steeled for whatever came. Anyway, I'd actually had somebody that I didn't know very well come to the wedding to just sort of walk around with him. He had disc disease. And so walk around and make sure he didn't fall over, like just to, just to hold one hand on his side to support him. Then, you know, people in the neighborhood had kind of like already started forming committees to determine like who was going to tell me it was time to euthanize my dog for his own sake because he was so decrepit, but he didn't, he wasn't ready. He was a stubborn hound dog and like he was absolutely not ready psychologically to go. He was hilarious. He loved his bed and that's where he spent most of his time because he had mobility issues. So I'm just like, I'm not going to do this a week before my wedding. And so a friend of mine this a vet came to the wedding and she's like, Hey, I saw this and it might help Jim. And it was the first time I'd ever heard of cold laser. There's a little bitty ad in the newspaper for cold laser therapy. And so out of the blue, I call and I say, so with trepidation, right? Because I don't want to be judged. And I think I said that on the call. Like I said, hi, I'm Betsy. I'm the founder of Pet Finder. And I have a dog who a veterinary friend of mine thought that cold laser might help because he's you know, from a spiritual perspective, he's absolutely not ready to go, but his body's falling apart. He's got disc disease. He can't walk. He's got some sort of muscular dystrophy. He had Bartonella. I said, so, you know, she thought maybe it would help with his disc. And, but listen, here's the deal. Like, I know, I know it's time. This is a last ditch effort. So don't judge me. And and, and if you think that you can't help, then, you know, be straight with me. I'm not looking for, I'm not looking to be glad handed. So Aaron O'Leary has just moved from california to north carolina where she was working in corporate practice and got so fed up with the system that she decided after she was a kindergarten teacher before so fed up that she had decided that she was not going to be a vet anymore after seven or eight years and all that training right she was going to start got open up a dog park coffee house so she'd gone to work at starbucks after being a vet to learn how to pour coffee And that's not an atypical story, right? Like we hear stories like that all the time, sadly. She felt kind of chewed up, you know, by the disillusion she suffered after being in practice for a while. And as a last ditch effort to stay in medicine, she said she had done some cold laser therapy and she thought, I'm going to start a cold laser mobile practice. And that's all I'm going to do. Just cold laser. I'm not going to hurt pets. I'm not going to be part of a corporate thing. I'm just going to go around making pets feel better. Period. Simple practice, right? unbeknownst to me, she had just started. This is her first ad, right? She's run. So she this week launches her practice. She gets this phone call saying, Hey, this is Betsy Saul from Pet Finder. And I have a porcelain dog that I've rescued from Costa Rica. Porcelain is this like obscure Italian breed. Who knows why he was in Costa Rica. She hears porcelain dog. And I would like you to come and laser him. (laughs) <laughs> and don't judge me, right? And so she, she is convinced that these are her friends giving her the business because she has started this crazy laser practice that's mobile only because it's kind of it's the first one ever in the country. Nobody's had a, a laser-only mobile practice. This is the first one. And so she almost didn't call me back, but she did, thank goodness. <laughs> she comes, she lasers Jim, and on about the third time she visited, well, two things happened. One is the fourth time she visited, she says, I'm here. And I said, Aaron, I'm not there because Jim wouldn't turn around and we're on a walk and we're doing our old walk. This is after four laser treatments, this dog who had not not been able to walk, did his half a mile loop. That was his old loop. I'm like, we'll be. And she's like, that makes me so happy. That's fine. You know, like (laughs) take your time. But he um, was a stubborn old hound dog and he decided he felt good enough to do his walk again. And so that last year we had with him because of cold laser was the best year of his life from a mobility and happiness perspective that we had had in the four years prior. It was unreal. The difference that it made in him super unreal. So anyway, so about that time though, I noticed that, you know, here is this woman sitting in the middle of my living room floor, crisscross applesauce noticing, you know, working on gym, like she's laser in gym, you know, and looking around and laughing and telling jokes and she is happy and has the mind space, and has the mind space to say things and think things like she said, you know, did anybody ever talk to you about blah, blah, blah for Jim? I'm like, no, I've been begging people to talk to me about Jim. But, like, you know, like who has the time for this sort of, sort of creative energy of like wondering things, right? Like, like wondering, the act of wondering is such an important part of veterinary medicine. So she's doing all this and she's saying things like, and, you know, Jake is fat. Like that dog needs to lose weight or, you know. She, her whole personality is able to bring this best medicine to my family of dogs, even though she's not even treating Jake because she's in his home. She sees his, you know, and and believe me, if Jake was skinny, she would have not put him on some sort of medicine because he was too skinny. She would have known that Jake was eating all his food, you know, like <laughs> you know, because you can see different things and. In- I'm looking at her and I'm like, you're happy. Like, why are you my only happy vet? And I got a lot of vets because of the farm animals and stuff. And so I, at some point, dragged her into my office. I'm like, you've got to look at this. And I had whiteboards. and I have all these things that are wrong with pets and wrong with vets and wrong with pet parents. And I'm like, all of these problems we're experiencing, your practice cures them all. Right? Like you've, you, you answer all of this. You have plenty of time to talk to pet parents. I have plenty of time to talk to you. You know, I understand exactly what I'm paying for because I see it happening. Like all of the complaints, right? All of them, except for the managed, you know, I want to be able to manage the cost of care, which we can do. Like we can address all of this in a national thing. And she is like, there is no way. I am happy for the first time in years. I am not working with you on some national corporate practice. (laughs) Like there is no way (laughs) you have got to be on crack, lady. (laughs) Like didn't you hear anything I've been saying for the last four hours we've spent together on your floor? (laughs) You know, (laughs) and I wore her down. So, uh, yeah, so and eventually at one point I said, hey, I'm meeting with an attorney to figure out how to build this practice. And you really need to show up on Tuesday at 10 o'clock at this address because you want to be a part of this. This is going to be big. It's going to be more important than PetFinder. We can make things different for veterinarians. We can make it so that they don't feel like they're on their own. We can level the playing field so that that they can not have to think about the things that are causing them to feel like they want to be associates. They don't want to be associates necessarily. They want to not have to worry about the toilet paper order. And there's a difference between those things, you know? So why can't we let vets have their cake and eat it too? And that became sort of our launch mission that we were going to create a company that would let vets have their cake and eat it too. So that's how we started Heal. And, you know, fast forward, that was 2014. So yeah, yeah. So fast forward, uh, what we found over the years is that half the vets that start Heal, it's a franchise, uh, Heal, I should say. So Heal is a franchise because our top priority is that vets have the ability to own their own practice. Um, And yet, because of my background with PetFinder and because I'm sort of bullish on certain philosophical things, I also wanted to be able to make any vet that joins us that attaches their name to my name, I wanted to make sure that they were on the same mission-driven sort of journey. So like wanted to force them to behave in certain kinds of ways like we want consistency of whether or not we microchip and that all our microchips are registered every time a pet every time a vet drives to someone's house we automatically know that that's the address that we are going to register their microchip to you know so we get some really cool compliance things by being a franchise while we still encourage practice ownership they own it just like the local guy that owns your McDonald's really owns the McDonald's but he he always serves his coffee in the same cup so we never ever ever make any decisions about the medicine that's all the vet we do things like the business decisions we decide what software we all use we decide what payment processor we all use and the vets don't have to worry about those things or 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 they can just complain about them but have no responsibility to fix it you know like that's like and that's a that's a healthy place for some kinds of complaints right like you know like (laughs) We'll be right back with more
0: Vet Candy. Hello, this is Caitlin Palmer. You probably know me as the Desk Winch. You know, the sweet TikTok receptionist who has to deal with the evil Karen Stevens. Well, if you like that, you are going to love my new podcast, Desk Winch Confessions. On my show, I have funny guests who tell me about their own Karens. Plus, we have contests, giveaways, and skits. Trust me, you are going to love it. Check it out on a podcast platform of your choice on Vet Candy Radio.
1: Y'all essentially took all the things that we don't want to have to worry about as
2: owners. Yeah, that's right. And so... And we have a ball and our job is to help vets be happy, right? Like if you're a happy vet, then we think that we can make happy pets and happy pet parents that the others will follow. But it starts with a happy vet. And I think that we're the first company that's ever actually, that's the first veterinary company that actually is about you know delivering the medicine that that is 100% founded on the mission of helping vets get happy. So we are a vet centric versus pet or pet parent centric. Um, and that's not to say we don't love our pet parents, but we just believe um, fundamentally that if we have happy vets.
1: Yeah. You understand the connection.
2: Happy everybody else will follow. So uh, what I was going to say is, is that about half of our vets were coming to us and we say, you know, it all starts with like, we want to help you build the business plan, you know, for that practice of your dreams. What does that look like? And the first shocking thing is that vets seemed kind of surprised by the question, you know, like, Really, you don't get all the way through. Like, you know, if, if you're a veterinarian, you started thinking about succeeding and not failing in kindergarten, right? Like making sure that you got the right test scores to get to the next level of that. I mean, you know, it's crazy. And yet, the question, you know, what's the practice of your d- dreams, is not something that that vets expect to be asked. It's sort of sad when you think about it. But we harken back to that in almost every conversation we have with them. You know, they will tell us, you know, I want to work four days a week, or I want to work all the time. I want to work all the days, but I want to be able to take off anytime my mom needs me. I want to work I, my husband lives in a different state. So I want to work a month here and a month there a month here and a month there. You know, so we take those things and, and build a business plan around them that's sustainable and thriving where they can make, you know, and we say, like how much money do you need to live? How much money do you need to be happy? What do you want to do with the excess money that you make? You know, like what, what is, you know, is there a mission driven Thing. I mean, you want to help pets in resource deserts, or is there a like, I want to save my money for a trip to Africa, which is, by the way, something that vets don't get to do enough of, take vacations. It was certainly surprising. And I I want to figure out how to phrase this so it it resonates because it's so deeply important to us. It's certainly surprising that veterinarians are not expected to ask that question. What is gut-wrenching to me is the number of veterinarians who, when you ask that question, they sort of all of a sudden take on this physical, they get shorter and they get this sort of shame posture and they say, well, you're not going to like what I'd like to do. And, and we have to drag it out of them. And so there's a surprise by saying like, you know, like really, you don't know what kind of practice you want, but there's, it's, it's, it's a much different story when you have to drag it out of them because they don't trust that they won't be mocked or, derided. And that's what we're finding with a lot of our vets that they have told their story of hope, like what they'd like to do to practice managers, to their bosses, to other associates. And they've been basically told, that's cute. Now join the real world and go do practice this medicine that we've prescribed for our practice.
1: The way we've been doing it for ever since VetMed
2: came about. Or the way we do it so that we hit the bottom line because this is a public company. Or we have shareholders, or whatever. At Petfinder, what we watched Banfield do when I was at Petfinder, which is to get medical care to pets who had never ever had care before, like the wellness, getting wellness preventative plans to be so ubiquitous, is like an incredible gift to animal welfare. And so I am not anti-corporate. I just don't think corporates for everybody, and it's not even corporate versus not corporate. It's being an associate is not for everybody. Some people just belong. In charge. In fact, we joke. I keep wanting to run an ad campaign, and my people are afraid for me to do it. You know, the ad would say, "You know, maybe you're just not employee material." Because <laughs> you know, because those of us that aren't, we know it. I know. I know I'm not employee material. These half the vets that you know that that say something other than I just want a traditional you know house call practice are saying things like, "I want to," you know, "I was a cop in Durham, and I want to go and help the people that I used to meet in Durham because they love their pets so much." Uh, and so I went back to vet school, and I want to go help those people. And can you help me figure out how to do that?
1: Is that really some of the pictures you were showing? That's incredible.
2: Or I talked to my practice for a long time about this community of Hispanic people who live nearby and they keep coming into the emergency clinic and they don't know why they're there because no one speaks Spanish or English well enough to translate. And they don't know what we're trying to, you know, we don't. they can't understand our aftercare instructions. and And I think we should... Uh, gain their trust and we should do some programs specifically for them. And those people have been glad handed or patted on the head essentially and said, that's nice. Now get to work. Or that's great. Do that in your spare time, but there is no spare time because they work a 10 hour shift and then they get three hours of paperwork afterwards. So we affectionately started calling those practices, our impact practices, those practices where a veterinarian, you know, takes on all this risk to start their own practice, but comes to us and says, I only need this much to live on. And I want you to figure out how to get me so that I... How many days do I have to spend in, you know, fancy Wake Forest to be able to drive across the border into Durham and provide care for those pets? And we do the math and we run the numbers and we make projections and take some wild guesses because this is not stuff anybody's done. And um, and April Ward, whose pictures you saw... Uh, actually, she was spending. In the, in the beginning, like four days a week practicing in Wake Forest and then one day a week practicing in Durham. But we have some new practices that we're targeting about 40% of pet parents in an impact zone and the other pet parents will come from other areas. And there are a lot of groups that are vulnerable, like seniors who need care, who can't get to a vet. You know, 27% of seniors in some communities are have mobility issues. You know, those folks need pets probably more than anybody else. Seniors have some of the highest suicide rates of all age groups. So... That, that's a group of people that needs pets and we need to honor both sides of the leash and make sure they can care for them. So I've got um, some super exciting stuff going on, you know, in that impact desert world, because we've, you know, we started looking at that and saying, you know, these people are, these vets are taking on all their own risk. Uh, Emily Anderson is another one of our veterinarians who's working up in Connecticut, doing the, working with the Hispanic community. And, uh, and we've got folks like Regina Waters and, Kathy Jones, who are, I'm doing some shout outs there to our vets who are in rural North Carolina working in areas where, you know, like the amount of driving they have to do to get to pet parents is insane. These are vulnerable people because they are just, they're remote. And if they don't happen to have the mobility to get their pets to the vet, or if they have a lot of pets or, you know, in some of the rural areas have a lot of pets, then you often find that there's like one pet that gets to the vet because it's easy. The ones that aren't easy don't get in. They're heroes, man. They're really cool. And they've taken all the risk on their own. They've started, Dr. Jones was a, a she was uh, a postal worker and worked at the post office and retired from the post office, decided that she wanted to help. She did rescue and she decided she wanted to help. So she works a lot with the rescues. That's a different kind of impact practice. Um, gives a lot of her services away. She wins the award of all of our veterinarians of giving the most of her services away of all of our vets. In order to do that, in order to go back to vet school after the postal service retirement, she had to go to undergraduate. Like That's dedicated. These veterinarians in our communities are have always been the most respected people in the community, right? And that, over the last 20 years, that respect has gone down. They don't any longer receive the sort of respect that they did when I was growing up. And I think that that's in part because the if 40% of our practices are owned by corporations, there's just an, an obvious and natural depersonalization that would happen when you don't see the same vet every time, right? So our house call vets the so people see the same vet every time. And it's really appealing to certain personality types nobody that shouldn't be a house call vet should be a house call vet don't get me wrong like not everybody's cut out for being a house call vet but if if it's if that's your jam then you need to get to it because it's so desperately needed we believe that house call vets are the answer to access to care and we believe even more fundamentally if communities that are vulnerable who have so little dollars to spare have only corporate clinics to lean on then the profit centers at those corporate clinics will be again not because anybody's a bad guy just because of the way things work the the corporate the corporate centers will be bringing money out of the care desert right and sending it to corporate headquarters somewhere in some you know wealthy community whereas a house call vet is, is of the community right she's buying her hoagies at the local shop and she's buying her gas there and investing in that community in a different way because she lives there and her tech comes from that community so um so we think that we think that the the, the problem of access to care Um, and these underserved, vulnerable communities really has a solution. And the solution is, you know, these incredibly, incredibly cool house call vets that can quite literally save the day by existing, not by by donating their services, but by just existing and having a thriving practice in that community. So
1: I would love to pause there because I want to dig into several things after what you just shared, because I have a couple of questions and I have a Uh, You know, I'm figuring our listeners are probably wondering some of the same things. Um, But before then, we'll take a quick break.
0: We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. Hey, this is Dr. Julio Alonso, and I'm here to tell you about my new show on Pet Candy TV, you can learn all about how to take the best care of your pets. Stream at My Pet Candy 24-7 on YouTube, iTunes, and most other video platforms.
1: Welcome back. You are listening to Living Well with Dr. Jessica, and I am here with Betsy Saul, the co-founder of Pet Finder and um, Heal House Call Veterinarian, along with several other things, but that's kind of what we've been digging into. And we've just been exploring essentially how we've, how y'all, you feel that house call veterinarians can be such a huge part of a solution of kind of a wide like web of things that we're, you know, facing not only within the veterinary profession, but uh, with pet ownership and, and quality of care in these areas that they don't have access to it for whatever reason. And I, I couldn't agree more. I come from a rural area where, you know, the closest corporate practice is an hour away. And so we're still very much, you know, you see the same vet for the most part. You may have two doctors at a clinic. Um, and so there's that bond there, but it's more of the issue of what you were sharing with your own personal experience of not having the, the time to even think of things outside of you know just that systematic approach to medicine, and and just a lot of the challenges that come whenever you you don't have enough time or you don't have enough uh, resources to be able to give the attention that you'd like to you know everybody that needs it. And so I I know while when you were sharing about these different examples of incredible veterinarians that have partnered with you guys. I couldn't help but question, you know, how did y'all connect with them? How are y'all partnering with veterinarians that, you know, they maybe listen and say, okay, she said if this is your jam, you know, like this is my jam. Like I, I wanna know more. Do you mind just kind of sharing a little bit more about what that has looked like and what it looks like moving forward for for you and, and finding these
2: veterinarians? Sure. You know, that's the hardest thing because we the opportunities that we have you know, they're not really the jobs that people are looking for if they go to a job board, because it's not a job, right? This is more about like an opportunity. And we try to train ourselves to think about it as an opportunity, not a job. But that leaves us, a you know, a big gaping hole of like, okay, where do we talk about this? How do we talk about it? And with whom? So uh, that's why we're here, obviously. And so uh, you're you are our answer. It's all up to you as <laughs> no pressure. But I think that there are several ways that people can get in touch with this. One is that any veterinarian who's interested in being a heel veterinarian, regardless of where they are, is welcome to go to mymy.heelhousecall.com. And of course, the my is, you know hopeful. <laughs> it's <like> for us. <laughs> so this, we're already trying to like, you know, this really is all about your the practice of your dream. So my my.healhousecall.com. And you can see sort of an FAQ about how we work, how we partner with the veterinarian, uh, the tools that we bring to bear. And there's a contact form. We have four incredible opportunities right now in Reno, Nevada that are a test. And if we can find the veterinarians who want to be leaders in this role, of creating impact practices with no risk, um, with a real objective to getting almost half of their pets from resource deserts. And that's gonna take a special veterinarian. They need to be willing to live in a gorgeous climate that uh, has lots of outdoor recreation potential. Uh, Reno is the best, it's, it's been named the best city, like you know 10 years running or something. It sounds horrible. They need to like to ski and they need to, need to like to be able to get to Lake Tahoe within about 25 minutes. Um, so, But they also need to be committed to access to care because we want somebody who wants to build a real life and a real practice around access to care. So half their clients would be would be clients that we, you know, that normal, normal clients. No, that's not right. Because um, there's nothing normal about us, but clients who don't have any vulnerabilities. And then the other half would be clients that are vulnerable and we have and, and they would be working with partners like the SPCA of Northern Nevada to make their lives gratifying and rewarding and fun and easy. And they need to be interested in house call vets, right? Like so, you know, being a house call vet is not for everybody. So but if we have if we can find those four vets with those criteria, those special vets who want to be real leaders, then we've got funding partners who not only are supporting those four positions for three years so that that vet will have to take no risk of their own and start a practice, but they will, we will, they will allow us to start many more across the U S later. So not only would the four vets be starting and making a difference in Reno, they would be actually the leaders who would be starting the model that we will take all across the country. Um, They're going to be very important people to us. So here's the deal. This is what we're willing to offer those four very special veterinarians, three years of, Complete and total, all expenses paid for their practices. So for three years, we will pay, not only they will get a stipend for their salary, they will receive a stipend for uh, tech, but they get to choose they get to work and we're not going to make you work. Have people, I have no interest in having people work with people they don't like, like this, this is not going to get us to access to care, right? We need to be a team and they will receive all of the equipment and the medicines and everything they need, all expenses, all supplies, everything for their practice, gas, you name it. And in addition to that, a hundred thousand dollars of angel fund money that they get to use at their discretion to provide care for people in resource deserts that can't afford the recommendations they're making. So these are veterinarians who are going to get to make recommendations and know for a fact that in terms of sort of basic wellness and incremental medicine, financial euthanasia is not going to have to be a part of the conversation. Um, Obviously, there are super gut-wrenching experiences, like my dog, Jake, who's right behind me, just tore his cruciate ligament at 10. And I'm not sure that people in you know resource deserts are gonna be able to uh, afford that, although you'd never, never say never, right? I, but there is a cool thing at SPC of Northern Nevada, they have Todd's Fund that, that, that covers emergency medical surgery for people who can't afford it. And so the connection of all these things, I mean, these vets are gonna feel secure, but $100,000 of money at their own discretion is gonna be, I think, the tool that they are going to enjoy the most in order to feel like they can really have the power to make the change they want to see, you know, in that area. And it's a really important distinction um, between Heal and sort of what we think of as corporate practices, because with Heal, we don't own the practice. You you own your own practice. You partner with us. A franchise is sort of like a license agreement. So we basically, the brand is what we worry about and you worry about the medicine. We have four of those four practices. So for three years if um, we will pay all the expenses of your practice and we will build that practice together. And then at the end of the third year, if 40% of the pets in your care are coming out of the care desert, then we'll give you 100% ownership of the practice. So it's, we're we're giving a practice away, literally. Actually, it's four. And we'd like to make our next step South Texas and a little spot in Illinois that we've encountered. So, But well, we can't do any of those things unless we get this right in Reno. So we're... Really hoping that the special people forward, and we'd like people to consider this if they are uh, graduating this year in vet school. This is going to be way cooler than an internship or a you know externship, I should say. You like that? I mean, like this is you know if you're one of those twenty five percent of students who are doing a, I guess it's a fellowship that is comes right after vet school. Is that right?
1: I'm not even sure now, days. I mean, it was it was an internship. Twenty five
2: percent. Will, do, will spend time after they graduate in an internship that is not in a field that they expect to be practicing in because they, by surveys, lack the confidence to practice on their own. And I'm saying to you, ditch it. Come and work in Reno instead because this is the real deal. And we, are, we really need people. We'd love to get people out of uh, vet school before they develop bad habits because we're going to make sure they develop good self-care habits while they're doing this. And we'd love to talk to people who think that they are ready to retire or sell their practice, but they're not quite you know, like, what, what's the, the, the knights that are fighting in the Monty Python? You know, it's like, I'm not quite, I'm not dead yet. You know, and it's like so I think that there are a lot of retired vets. I'd love to get a leader in this group of four practices so that there is a mentor there that, you know, so if that appeals to somebody, Reno's a great place to retire. But I think that there's a lot of fun that could be had in the high Sierras
0: we'll be right back with more vet candy
1: hi i'm danica patrick watching my nieces grow play and learn is amazing but not every child gets to be carefree one in six kids in the u.s are hungry This breaks my heart, and it's something that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have
0: gone to waste and gives it to families in need. To help, visit feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council.
1: I mean, there's so many reasons why this should be considered. I mean, I don't know of any other you know you hear of these programs that are willing to help you pay off your your school debt and different things but i don't i don't think i've ever come across anything that's like i'm literally giving you a practice like it's just it's really hard for me to wrap my mind you know around it
2: well i have to and i have to say that petfinder was incredibly good to me right like i didn't expect ever to sell pet finder. And it was good to me. And that's what we've used to fuel heal, like the gratitude that, you know, the heal is the expression of gratitude from what pet finder has allowed me to do in life. And we need this. And I believe that if you do the right things for the right reasons, all good things will happen. And if anybody needs a reason to be hopeful today, and there are plenty of reasons to be worried, right. Then know that um, last October we went out. We So we watched our Dr. Wards and our Emily Andersons and our Dr. You know, um, you know, Dr. Anderson and, and Dr. Waters, and we, we watch these folks and they're so committed and they take on all this risk of their own, right? And so we, in October, went out to like three or four people that I know in the industry that work on a very high level and foundation, family foundations and nonprofits. And I said, you know, you shouldn't be taking all this risk. Like well, if they were some like, you know, knucklehead in Silicon Valley with a bad startup idea, they would get other knuckleheads to fund the bad startup idea and they would take no risk and maybe it would work and maybe it wouldn't, but they wouldn't be taking on the personal risk. Why, if we know that vets are the only ones that can cure care deserts, why are we asking these single independent people who already have debt and confidence issues to go and do this thing and cure the community, you know, like that's not reasonable. And can I tell you that a hundred percent of the people that we challenged have come back and said yes. And we have, since october 3.4 million dollars of commitment from people to add money to our pot that will pay for these practices and pay for that 100,000 dollars of angel fund cuz we trust the veterinarians to make the right choice about what to, you know what what care they need to provide and 100% of them have come forward 3.4 million dollars since october like i said if we can pull this off most of them have committed to wanting to do this again i best guess that you know there are tens of millions of dollars available for us next year if we can if we can do this this year so we're pretty excited
1: so to our listeners if you're not sitting here thinking okay well I'm interested I know you know someone that would be interested our profession I think is unique in the sense that there's not that many of, them, of us, you know, and we're we're very closely connected. Um, and I think we forget that.
2: And so. Well, and we're not going to learn this on job boards, right? Like, and you can't cut through the frass, like, like our opportunity, which is weird and people don't trust it because it's so bizarre. Um, because it's never existed before, right? Like, you know, and I when I have to fill out a job board, it looks like a $100,000 salary. That's not so special. In Reno, there are only four people there. So they're not going to, you know, like like it's not a huge city, right? And so like, it doesn't relate. And the only way we're going to find the right people and the only way we find, you know, like for the most part, our heel bets. they've all come from a referral from another heel vet, you know? And I know that this is going to be, I know we're going to get these people through a referral. I just know it. So yeah, we need everybody, you know, like if you want to do your part to cure a care desert, then call three friends and tell them, you know, and, and certainly I would really appreciate, and I don't think this is too much to ask that if you are in a scenario in which you hear a colleague complaining about their job, then send them this link to patopia.org. The org is important, Uh, potopiaorg slash careers, where we talk about the fact that, you know, 75% 75% of pets in resource deserts have never seen a vet before. I mean, can you imagine the power and the beauty of being able to start your day and knowing that you're going to see, you're going to be the, a pet parent's first ever experience with a vet. Like that's an incredible kind of cool power.
1: It's kind of, in my mind, I'm like, it's a, a unique, I don't know, hybrid of like, because of the way I think. I keep thinking this is like a mission type.
2: It is mission work. Yeah, it's mission work, except for at the end of the day, you get the small country you're helping. You know, like, so, so, Hey, what, um, you know, we should actually mention, I'm oh, sorry, we should mention. So Heal House Call Veterinarian is our company. And when we started this impact practice concept, we were doing Heal impact practices. But when in October we had our friends, um, like the Dave and Cheryl Duffield Foundation and PetSmart Charities and Petco Love and, uh, Springpoint Partners all come back and say, yeah, we want to, we want to get involved somehow. They needed a way to pay us and they're nonprofits. And so we created Petopia.org, which is an organization that I've had for some years. We converted that to a nonprofit. And that is where the money flows through and the nonprofit will hold the resources and be providing all these practice expenses during that time until the veterinarian earns the practice by having 40% of their pets in coming from the care desert and then it's there's free and clear. They, we, we trust them But they'll be so addicted to treating those pets in the resource desert. People, our funders were like, well, how do you know they'll keep doing that? I'm like, no, you don't understand. Our vets, like April Ward came to us after about six months and she's like, okay, I need to talk to you about my clients. And we're like, "Uh oh, she's going to say it's too much trouble, you know, to do that. And she just wants to make more money, you know, because that's what you expect from people. That's what the story is about people. And she's like, how can I stop going to wake forest? Can I get more money so that I can spend more of my time in Durham? Because those rich people are really annoying. No, like no. (laughs) And she's just kidding. Wake Forest people are awesome. And her, and in fact, I will say, I should say, I should give them some props. Um, The people of Wake Forest, where she was practicing, started giving her money because they heard her stories about what she's doing in Durham, and they started funding some of the access to care work she's doing. So how cool is that? People are so cool. Like if you want to have your hope re invigorated in humans, then come and hang out with us because between the pet parents who are helping and these foundations and family, you know, the family foundations and the nonprofits who are helping, it's just, you know, it's kind of hard to feel sorry for yourself.
1: The whole time I'm like, there is a a niche within our profession that this is going to speak volumes to. I really believe like you even got me thinking back to, you know, when I was in vet school over 12 years ago, and, you know, we had all these different organizations, and they they had, you know, one focusing on doing mission work as a veterinary prof- professional. Um, and I'm like, we need to even go talk to those students, you know, like different ways of getting the word out, because I, I do believe that there are probably more people out there that would really love this idea of kind of fusing these two worlds together Because you hear of these stories of people like veterinarians doing that kind of thing as a means of filling their cup back up.
2: That's right. And if we and we have a, you know, we we jokingly say like, "Let us fill your tank." (laughs) It's like, you know, like, but um, but we have, um, yeah. You remind me of my dear friend Dr. Jill Lopez when you say that. And I think that 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 you know, offering this to people as a clear path in school is is so incredibly valuable you know, from a hope perspective, but the way I have to think about that or, you know, my hope and dream is that like, if we can, if we can find those right people for these four Reno positions, because we've done the impact practice, the concept we've done it. It's not a pilot. We don't guess that this will work. We know it's going to work because we have vets doing it. The only new thing is taking all the risk off the veterinarian's hands and paying for it completely for them. So the pilot is, will this story resonate and get vets to do an about face and change and come sign up, right? Like that's the pilot. And if, and if we can find four people who want to lead the way and do this in Reno, then I guarantee you we'll have positions to talk to third years about for this coming third year class and the second years and the first year, because at the end of the day for the veterinarians and for the people who are involved in access to care, this is a moneymaker, make no mistake. All these organizations that we are talking to and thinking about, they're all thinking about access to care. Like, we know this is a massive problem. Like I said, 75% of pets in resource deserts have never seen a vet. 25% of pets uh, in the U.S. can't afford care. Everybody knows this is a problem. And, you know, what have we done with spay-neuter in the U.S.? We've subsidized it perpetually, right? We are subsidizing spay-neuter for rich people and for poor people and for everybody in between because that's the only way we know how to do that. Well, I think it's more important and more valuable to have a long-term self-sustaining market solution because once we have four or six vets in Reno that are focused on access to care, we've eliminated that that need for the chronic subsidy, right? Because now there's a system in place where it's built in to provide care for these folks. And the subsidy doesn't have to be chronic and continuing for year after year. And so, so what we're asking the nonprofits for that we're working with Is not such a big, you know, it's not such a big ask, right? Like we're asking for, we're saying, give us the money you'd spend in access to care for five years. Give it to us in three years, right? It's a little more. We're asking for a little more than you might spend this year, but give us a little more. And then guess what? In all the years remaining, we've cured a care desert. You know, we can just celebrate. That's just the time for celebration and and stories. And then we can start tackling other things. Like let's eliminate distemper, like what Petco Love is trying to do right now. We got to get the vet there first. Then then all of the other things can follow. You're finding a solution instead of just slapping on a band-aid over and over. Thank you. That's better than what I just said, which took me a very long time and it took you just moments. That's why you have a podcast. And I just get invited once a year or so.
0: <laughs> we'll be right back with more vet candy. That Candy IRL is an exciting podcast from the hearts, minds, and mouths of Shannon Gregoire, Tatiana Rogers, and Lexi Rodriguez. The show celebrates inspirational role models and focuses on empowerment and equality. Check it out on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and more.
1: Well, I know we could easily... Keep this conversation going. I mean, we, we prove that because we, like you said, we talked an hour before we even hit record. But we, we do need to wrap our time up. And I always want to make sure, I know you mentioned some resources throughout and we will have those um, compiled so people don't have to like you know, hurry and jot down everything you're saying, but I want to make sure that everyone knows how to connect with you, how to stay in touch. Um, so if you don't
2: mind kind of sharing that information. I'll do that. Yep, I'll do that. So um, there are a couple of ways you can find us at, heal at, at my.healhousecall.com, my.healhousecall.com. You can learn about us. If you're a veterinarian, that's where we have our veterinarians go to learn about how to become a heal veterinarian. Uh, you can go to petopia.org careers and you can learn all about the impact practice reno positions that we have available which is essentially for four free practices for giving away uh, thanks to the Dave and Sheryl Foundation and PetSmart charities. The other thing that you can do is you know this is my life's mission so my personal email is Betsy Saul at gmail.com um, And I'm, of course I'm at Betsy at heelhousecall.com and Betsy at I've always uh, Betsy at 911 foster pets you can find me in all those places but at the end of the day they all go to Betsy Saul. S-A-U-L at gmail.com. And if you, my career has been, you know, I was raised as a career person, right? Like that we created PetFinder in the very early days of the internet. And I still hold some of those early, early fears of like, maybe the form won't work. So, you know, when in doubt, right, call me. When in doubt, email me <laughs> and tell me you submitted a form. <laughs> no, I know, but that's, that's probably not hip and cool to have all those backup things, but, but it, it is, uh, you know, or, or reach out to you guys. You know how to, you know how to get in touch with me, also. So, yeah, perfect. Um, yeah, but but do reach out, and you know we love to talk to people about their dreams. If you know that this is not for you now, but it's for you in five years, come talk to us because the more we learn about veterinarians and their dreams of the perfect practice, the better we get at helping make them. So so we love to hear from everybody. Thanks
1: for listening and asking those questions because <laughs> it's it's true. It needs to not be such a abnormal um, occurrence.
2: A question. That's a, that's a weird question. What? What do I want? <laughs> like, like, what, what are you talking about? What do you mean? What do I want? Um, world peace, right? I mean, I think that like we heard that a lot when we we're kids, you know, like <laughs> as adults, maybe we're not asked that enough. Yeah, it's true.
1: Well, it's been a pleasure and I, I can't wait to help, you know, just share the, Word not only through you know this episode but um through other avenues because I, I know y'all are going to fill those spots, but we still all have a
2: role in, in helping get that word out. I really appreciate that. It feels too good to be true, and I get that, but we need people to be brave and reach out and figure out what the fine print is for us because we, um, we really need it. And I get a little sweaty, you know, when I think about like, what if we don't fill these practices? (laughs) There's so much on the line because we can do so much. We can just, gosh, you know, it's just unbelievable what we can do with just, you know, one vet boots on the ground. You know, we just need to get a vet in a community. And, uh, and and of course people can reach out to any of our vets, you know, and talk to them.
1: I really hope that, You know, anyone that is interested, obviously, if they're listening right now, they've heard us talking about this for the last hour. And I feel like it definitely helps to have a person to attach to this crazy, you know, opportunity that seems too good to be true, to where hopefully it takes that fear away, you know, just being able to kind of get a behind the scenes glimpse. Um, And hopefully this could serve as. You know, a future reference for people that you know are interested in it and maybe do you have those hesitations because it just it's it's so out of the box. I mean, it really is, but in the best way possible,
2: <laughs> Dr. Jessica, I will share and and I don't know if this will find its way into the podcast or not, but we piloted a version of this in Colorado with one year and found that that it didn't one year of security didn't provide the veterinarians enough financial security to believe that they could start their own practice, which is why we went to three years. And when we piloted that, we interviewed 16 or 17 veterinarians. And of those 16 or 17, most of them got teary-eyed in the interviews, hate their job or feel abused. They're in a bad situation where they haven't had a weekend day off in over a month. They'd said, you know, like we've really not seen their kids enough, really gut-wrenching stories in many ways, or, you know, like, or, you know, moving stories in many ways. The sad thing is, is that because we couldn't provide that year of security or more than a year of security, we could just provide one. Sorry, I misspoke. When we have gone back to them to see what they're doing and checked in with them, most of them are still in the same jobs. It's three years later. And so the preponderance of veterinarians who are in unhappy places, but can't figure out how to move out of them is alarmingly high. And it's something that we hope that providing three years of security can address. I don't know if three years of security will give enough permission for them to move and start a practice and decide that they can do it on their own. You know, like, I, you know, I don't know, but it's better than one year. And, you know, one year wasn't enough. And so I, people do need to hear that we we notice that for some reason they don't have the nerve or the gumption or the desire or something to change out of a bad situation. And that seems like an unhealthy place, you know, that goes back to that well-being study you did, right? Like, or that, that you covered, because I think that the, there's, a, there's a fundamental issue when we have an entire population of people who are scoring so disturbingly low on some of these well-being factors. And yet they also don't seem to have the permission or capacity or wherewithal or something to make a move and make a difference. Um and I don't know why I don't know why that is but I do appreciate you talking about those kinds of things.
1: Yeah, well, I wouldn't be able to if I didn't have people like y'all providing solutions. So <laughs> thank you. And thank you for for taking the time to be on with us today and I know this is not going to be the last time that we talk cuz I'm going to stay up to date when you're filling these positions. I'll be a part of it from afar because it, it is incredible
2: what y'all are doing. Oh, yeah. I should tell you that we'll have a signing bonus too. You can mention that later to people if you want. Not a signing bonus, but a referral bonus. If somebody calls and says, you need to call my friend so-and-so. You know, we've got so much good to do. And there's this, uh, I don't think there's a shortage of veterinarians. I think there's a shortage of good jobs that veterinarians want to do. I think there's a big difference between those things, but there's a lot of noise. You know, everybody has a job for vets. And so, and, you know, like a, I just, I say we're desperate. I, that's not quite right, right? Because- you know we're in a good space but we're but we're so dedicated we want to get this we want to get these filled with the right people
1: well thank y'all for listening today um, this is living well with dr jessica until next time we'll see you soon bye <sighs>
0: Vet Candy Radio.